Well, we're back to another episode of the Pig Wrestling Podcast. The Pig Wrestling Podcast is powered by our wonderful sponsor, Sync Cloud, and it's available in the cloud. Where's it available, Paul? <laughs> the cloud I'm learning, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor to name, but a few and on our Pig Wrestling Podcast blog. The Pig Wrestling Podcast is based on a book by Pete Lindsay and Mark Bowden. It's a simple way to solve any problem and create change you need. Right, we're back for another episode of the Pig Wrestling Podcast, aren't we, Paul? Yeah, we certainly are. We've got Phil Winter with us today. Editor of um, Hull Live, um, and we've got him joining the show. Welcome welcome to the show, Phil. Hello, thank you very much. So, um, to always kick off, Stato, um, Stato, shall we say, um, You've been doing a bit of digging again on Phil, haven't you? I have. Edu- educate me. Currently with the Hull Daily Mail, and he has been for the last two years. Correct. Correct, yeah. Um, we having like a point score on this then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, business editor. Before then, you were senior reporter at Gull and Selby Times. That's right, yeah. Um, and then sports reporter for, is it Taganet? UK. Long, Top. long time ago. Yeah. Edu- educators on that. Uh, it was back in the university days. Um, so at, back in university, I had a period where I was quite keen to pursue sport as, as a journalism. Uh, and it was a way of getting some experience, if you like. So it was a, an amateur football reporting website. So lots of days standing out in the rain on a Saturday um, watching... Sometimes a pretty high-quality match. Uh, writing a report, interviewing players. Uh, I don't think the website exists anymore, sadly, but it was a, it was a good period. And I think um, that links why I wanted to get on the show, Phil, because um, I like to talk people, processing technology, and w- and we've seen, especially with um, Hull Live, um, you know, there's been so much changing with Old Daily Mail and, and recently in our local region in terms of media, you know, Viking FM leaving and, yeah. you know, Companies are having to consolidate the the technology out there and, and innovate out there, and um, I think Hull Live's a testament to that. I think in a in a world of print, um, its numbers and its viewing is 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 tremendous, isn't it? Yeah, it's um it's been a constant change really over the last sort of decade or so. Uh, I think the way that people want to consume their news now is very different to how it's been in the past. Um, people, we joke that people want the news before it's happened. Uh, and and to a point, it's true. And if if there's a breaking news incident, we need to be really on the ball now. And and then the online side allows us to do that. So we'll we'll aim to have sort of a live blog, letting people know whether it's a crash, whether it's any other breaking news in the city centre. Say we'll aim to bring people what that is within ten five minutes of it of it happening. And I think you know even like now you know. Everyone's got a channel, which which makes the world quite an interesting place. And I always talk to you, Dr. Paul, you know, with the work we do at the Man Club, and we always talk about technology because yeah. in, in some breaths, you know, people say, you know, is technology killing us? Is it responsible? And and for me, I think, you know, it's our understanding of technology. It's, it's a, an amazing thing if it's used right. It saves lives. It connects people. Um, but like in your work, Phil, um, everybody's a news reader, aren't they? I mean, that yeah. must be difficult. Yeah, it, it, it can be difficult. And another challenge with, the online, I think, is whereas before in the in the print only days, um, you had maybe a little bit more time to to put your piece together and prepare it before it goes out. As soon as you hit the publish button online, it's there. Um, 
So it's a, it's a really fine balance between speed and making sure that we're accurate at the same time. And, and I think we do it very well. I, th- I think you do, and I, th- I think it's interesting because obviously I've got to know you through business, and um, we we get a lot of support from the man club as well, don't we? You know, yeah, we um, you know, phenomenous. And I think the the male's got its own um, talking campaign. I mean, do you want to tell us a little bit more about on that? Yes, it le- launched um, earlier this year. I think it was January or February. It's our, our speak up campaign, so it's predominantly aimed at encouraging adult males to, to share how they're feeling, literally speak up um, for, the, for the benefit of themselves and, and everyone. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think when, it, when we've got the, the media and the challenge like we've got now, um, you know, more does need to be done. And I think more is being done. Um, I think the papers and, and everyone has a place to play, doesn't it? You know, because we were just talking off air about... Uh, a, We'd done a talk at the weekend, hadn't you? Um, where was you talking at the weekend? Yeah, we um, spoke at the awareness uh, Mental Health Awareness Festival at the old schoolhouse on Saturday. Um, it was over 12 hours. It was over 12 hours long and there was... Not, pe- not, not just your talk. Yours, you <laughs> was doing it about, about three minutes, Paul, not, yeah, not 12 Matt, hours. Yeah, but it, it was awareness through song, poetry talking information and then there was bands right the way through the night and to see all age groups there talking about one subject was fantastic wasn't it yeah there was who did you say from the mental health there was uh, joe kent joe kent was there representing the nhs and in her own time as well speaking about the work they they're doing but also bringing the community together so i think i think it's a massive uprising up there you know wrestling that problem um and just from the, the work you do phil you, you know I seen you was reporting recently on Spencer Group and uh, Moonbeam. That you know, there's yeah. massive in- incentives out there at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, and I, and I think um, the the tech sector is a is a brilliant opportunity to address some of the issues that are out there. I think what Moonbeam are doing is is phenomenal. And obviously, you mentioned the partnership with with Spencer Group, um, giving members of staff the chance to to get their hands on one of those devices. And I, I'm uh, I'm hoping in the coming weeks, months to to get one myself and have a have a go with it but um a wonderful initiative and i think technology obviously opens up those sort of opportunities now no, i agree and i agree and i think we're meeting up soon aren't we and i think uh, we want to get our hands on one of them devices as well don't we we, yeah, we could be um i know this is a um, pig wrestling podcast but we could be guinea pigs does that work paul it certainly does so you want to be a guinea pig as well don't you yeah i would be a guinea pig i think we could get some data on that company so we need to get that chased up um so We've got a couple of questions to fill, haven't we? Yeah, we might as well. Shall we have a go? So you're going to show all of them in? You first. Who, who am I going first? Yeah. Um, so we've got the Pig Wrestling Podcast Ten Commandments, Phil. So you're not yes. seeing these yet. So no. um, let's see how it goes. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to number 10. I love He's my, my favourite one. But So kick off, um, Phil. So what are one or one to three books that have greatly changed or influenced your life? And, and you know, I like that question. Yeah. Um, looking back, I was a massive reader. Uh, unfortunately, maybe not so much today. I blame the amount of writing, reading that I have to do during the day. I get home and it's not something that I <laughs> want to do as much. But I think growing up, my love of reading and therefore writing came from Harry Potter. I was a sort of seven, eight, nine year old, I think, when I started picking them up and from there started writing my own sort of creative stories because the worlds that that jk rowling created was was insane the level of detail and 
that was where my love of writing, I think, came from. And that's obviously followed through to what I do now. What, what house was you? I'm interested. Oh, what house? Well, my heart would say Gryffindor, but the Slytherin yeah. dark side <laughs> definitely creeps in. I think they're, they're phenomenal, aren't they? Well, Leon's a massive fan also, aren't you? So off air, I think you two could go on for hours, yeah. couldn't you? Well, it stems, and because this has gone out now, you've done me here. I pretend to the missus that I'm all, I'm all right with them. It's my wife is obsessed. I mean, absolutely obsessed. But we've been to the. Have you been to the studio? I have. Yeah, yeah. It, unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. Um, unbelievable. And I think I think anything like that, you know, um, whisk you away and, and disconnect you. I'm a massive reader. I love reading, don't I, Paul? Um, never used. I didn't pick. I didn't pick up my first book till I was in my thirties. Um, I read the Chimp Paradox of all books, oh. which um, changed everything for me. But I think. I'm I'm starting to read a lot more f- fiction now, um, just to unplug and just get the gears turned a bit more. Because I think I think it's like you say, um, in your work, it must be a little bit like Groundhog Day. Because d- just give us a, an idea, you know, in a working week for you, how many stories do you publish? Because there's just so much content getting churned out, isn't there? Yeah, on an average day, I'll, I'll publish sort of five or six um, stories, which are four hundred words. So over a whole week, you're looking at thirty. 30-ish, yeah. He's a machine. He's a machine. He is a weird machine. Right, question two. This is a good one for Phil, because Phil, you didn't know it, but I know it. Phil loves travelling and he loves finding new music. Correct. So this question's really good for Phil. I, I get worried. What do you do on a weekend, Jim? <laughs> I've got no else better to do. I, I just go... We need a new job now, don't you? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've got plenty of time on my hands. Right. What's your feel-good song or music that gets you focused and makes you happy, Phil? Uh, that's a really hard one for me because music was a massive part of my sort of teenage growing up years. I thought it was a way of making friends. Some of my best friends came through music. Um, I was a saxophonist. Um, still don't play as much as I should do now. But skills in it, sa- a saxophonist um, going back. So naturally a, a love of sort of jazz and soul and 60s, 70s music. So my sort of feel good happy song would have to be something by Stevie Wonder um, whether that's Superstition that, that's the song that if I'm out on the night out when it comes on that I get going <laughs> very nice very nice I can dance to that I can't yeah, play any of it but I can <laughs> dance to it I love Stevie's, Stevie's songs I, I was I'm trying to think I might have the name wrong here um, there's an artist who's oh, I think it, is it Beverly Knight who's doing a tour I might have this wrong we'll have to have a little look up on this <laughs> Um, I'll just double check if it is the right name. I, I was watching, um, I think it was Saturday Morning Kitchen, and I'll confirm the name in a minute. I'll do a little look up, but um, she, she's basically come, coming back and doing a, a, a full tour, um, singing all of his songs. And I remember just catching it, I was thinking, God, it's a brave move singing Stevie Wonder songs. Um, have a look, just to make sure I've got the name right. Um, and it, I don't know if you've seen that, that show on Saturday, but it's um, The Cook, one, one of your favourite meals. And one of your nightmares, and 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 we get to vo- the viewers get to vote on what they have. So she's she sat there, and one of the guys just said, "Well, you know, you're a bit brave, you know." And basically, sort of said to her, "You know, what right have you got to sting Stevie's Stevie's songs?" So she goes on to say about a, a story she she was telling it in terms of she knew Prince. Prince had invited her to sing. She was back in Prince, and he um, asked her to fly over to LA um, just to come and help him out. And it turned out that. Um, yeah, he's Beverly Knight. I was right, wasn't I? I was got it. I got it. Look at that. And um, so she said, he's like one of the most showbiz stories ever. So she jets out to LA, um, 
goes to this party. She realises it's the Oscars weekend. So she goes to um, with Prince to Elton John's, you know, um, Oscars after party. And then Prince goes, oh, we're going to go to a, a a better party. Goes there, um, starts, said, will you sing with me? And on stage, there's Stevie Wonder, um, Prince and Beverly Knight. It was one of the most random stories. I never, have you two ever heard of Beverly Knight singing with Prince and... Um, no. Steve Wonder? No, not me. Yeah, no, and, it, and it's come up twice, so maybe superstitious. Right in on, on the wall. wall. Nice, nice. So is it is it my go next? What are we up to? Oh, this is a tricky question, Phil. This is a very tricky question. Um, what purchase of £50 or less has most positively impacted your life <laughs> in the last six months? It's a tough question. No, it has to be the last six months. Six months. Oh, that's really hard. Um, what, what, what was yours, Paul? Yeah, what's yours? I'll have, I'll have a think. Mum was, um, I'd, I'd recently bought a, an app called, um, oh, what's it called? It's like a book summary app. Um, mm. I forget the name of it. Um, so that, that was man. What was yours? Mum was a gym membership because, um, like I was telling Phil off air, my pig that I'm wrestling is weight loss. And over the last 12 months, I've lost about four and a half stone. So the best £50 I spend a month is my gym membership. Yeah, that's a good one. Can I come back to you? You can come back to me. I'll have a thing. Hold him out on that one. Right. Question four then. Do you have a lesson from a failure of yours? Yeah. um, I think so. I think uh, my, I suppose the motto to come out of of what I've learned is is always talk and always share how you're feeling. I think going back, well, recently as well, there's been, I have a tendency to, to not share things, to not talk about how I'm feeling. Um, if I've got an issue or something that I'm worried about, I'll, I'll lock it away. Um, so that my lesson of failure really is is consequences of not sharing how you're feeling, sharing what you're doing. Um, and the lesson from that is is always talk, and that links back to what we were talking about and the whole the whole subject of this podcast, really. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think um, to, to go off on a tangent on this a little bit because. I like having this, these conversations, but we always talk, don't we? You know, Phil, you're t- 25. Yeah. How old are you, Paul, now at the minute? I'm 50. Um, I'm 37, I think. So when you look at different demographics, we're covering all the bases there out between us, right? And um, I think more needs to be done, you know, in terms of, you know, I, I always believe that the stigma what's attached with, with mental health, you know, is weakness, bed, and embarrassment. They're, they're the three. Um. And I, and I think there's going to be, well, there is already, you know, with apps like, you know, like Moodbeam and other things. The way we talk about mental health um, should be no different than the way we talk about our, our physical health. Um, but we're just not taught that in schools. Um, I think more needs to be done in business, which we're starting to see. Um, and I don't know if you know any insights from any other companies, but I do think more needs to be done. I mean, what's your thoughts, Paul? Well, I've seen, I've seen it myself increase over the last 12 months, the amount of talks we're going in and doing in companies we've done Siemens, Smith and Nephews, Arco and Plum Centre just to name but a few we've done them over the last six months and the feedback we've got from them has been tremendous and guys approaching us um, for a quiet chat after we've done our talk and I think the stigma is gradually diminishing but it's still there so we've got to keep plodding on keep banging the drum keep banging banging the drum drum, as we say yeah I like that Phil it was nice um what else we got on here? Paul, there's some tough ones. I don't know if he's going to be ready for this one. Ready for this next one. I like this. Question five. 
What is a favourite quote or saying that if you could share with everyone in the world, you would and why? Um, a favourite quote or saying. Hmm. What are yours? How you do anything is how you do everything. Oof, I, um, I can't top that. <laughs> I cannot top that. He's, not, he's taken it up, man. I nicked it. But um, I like that one because um, we're always picking things up and, and not finishing them, are we? Um, yeah. And I think this comes, this links back to a bit on this, this technology side. Um, I think the challenge we've got at the minute is we're always connected. We've always got all this technology. Like, look at us now. You know, we've got all our computers here. We're, we're, it, the technology we've got at our disposal, you know, when you really think about it, just go back five years, ten years, you know, it is colossal. And I, and I think what we're in danger of losing um, is our ability to actually do deep, mean and full work. So take yourself, for example, you're talking about how many words you're writing each day. Mm. It, it takes some doing, you know. Um, I bet there's your writer's block, don't you? And I think, for, for me, we need to um, put the work in at times. And I think we're always saying that we'll do things and it's so easy to pick, like you look at it now, you can watch Netflix and watch the last episode first. You don't have to yeah. wait anymore, do you? Um, you don't need to go to Blockbusters anymore. And I think that little saying I, I mentioned there is it just, I use that just to focus. So if I'm going to do something, um, we're going to do it or we don't do it at all, don't we? And you taught me that. You well, taught we, me that. We, we, we said, don't we, especially with the man club and if we do anything, we, we're either in or out, aren't we? You're, you're either do it or you don't. And if you're going to do it, do it well. What's your thoughts on that? Um, have I uh, have I got an answer to this question yet? Um, <laughs> favorite quote or saying? Something that just focuses you, you know. Um, something that you know when, when you've got writer's block and you're up against it. Is there, is any words of wisdom you can share? <laughs> just get it done. Um, how bad can it be? I always I always think when I'm on when I'm getting a little bit stressed, you've got deadlines coming up, I've got like a weekly supplement to fill. I might go to might go home at the end of sort of the day before I know it's gotta be done, a little bit stressed, a bit anxious, and then I just sort of think, How bad's it gonna be? I've never I've never missed one, we've always filled the paper. Um so I guess that that would be uh, that'd be my motto. Yeah, and also, you know, picking up on that, I I've just been putting a new website together and I've been it can't be, I don't know, maybe seven, eight hundred words. Um, I think four hundred on one page and a couple of other. And I've been writing it and writing it and writing it. Actually, yeah, and and uh, give us some tips, Phil, you know, because you're an accomplished writer. Um, I, I read this tip and I've been going through the website with this tip. Um, it says, Imagine if a caveman hit your website, would he be able to ec- ec- understand what you do? And what it did, it's caused me loads of work. I think the result's better. You guys can be the judge of this. But I think we get taught to write very elaborate and technical mm. at times. And when you're reading versus when you're speaking, um, so give us some tips on, on writing, please, Phil. Yeah, well, I think what you've got to remember is that you've, any, anybody could be reading what you're writing. It could be someone who's a teenager or a child who's picked up the paper for the first time or it could be you know a business leader who's used to reading your your financial times and your heavy going but the way I look at it is everyone should be able to to pick up the paper read your story 
and and understand it and enjoy it so keep it sort of as as simple as you can keep it concise make sure to, to sort of get people's thoughts views across um if you can bring a bit of life to it a bit of character um then that's that's a bonus if you can sort of get somebody's personality and emotions across um but my my number one tip would just be remember anyone can anyone can be reading uh, and it's got to be it's got to be relatable to everyone so so the caveman theory works and doesn't it paul and what do we say about every day every day is a what Every day is a learning day. day. That's it. Yeah. That's it, isn't it? That's it. Um, don't, don't get better than this, do I? I'm a show for learning about writing, do we? Yeah. You're up next. Right. Question eight. Uh, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give yourself and others at 18? And what advice should they ignore? Um, I always... It is a big question. I always think if I'm looking back at, at myself as an 18-year-old, I was I was fortunate from a fairly young age to always know what I wanted to do, what path I wanted to go down. But I would just say, um, partly stick with what you're good at, and also just just be your own person. Follow what whatever path you want to do. If if you like writing, like like I did when I was growing up, there were there were other things like my love of music came into it. But um, my head always said writing's what I'm what I'm strong at, so. Stick well, to your strengths. You weren't born in Hull, was you? Yeah. Were you, was well, you Beverly, 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 technically. Yeah, right. okay. He well, went to Cottingham High School. Oh, did you go to Cottingham? I did, Cottingham High, yeah. Look at that, he knows. He knows. So, so, you moved, so you basically moved for studies? Yes. Yeah, so, I had three years in Sheffield and then uh, came back to came back to East Yorkshire for work. Because, right. interestingly, I'd seen um, on your LinkedIn the other day, you was down in London, weren't you? With yes. With Hull Live. Yeah. And I used to, in my, in my former life, I was in construction and I used to be in London every, three, four times a week, um, seeing different towns. And obviously, women, this business venture, now I'm, I'm predominantly in Hull in this region. Um, it's been quite interesting for me because I'd never really been out there in Hull as much as I had from a business front. And there's some phenomenal businesses here, aren't they? Um, what's yeah. going on in the region? And um, just want to share a bit on your thoughts on that because I'm always interested because I'm a massive advocate for the city. I love I love the city of all, very proud. Um, but I just think I was I was reading up on on the work on the estuary that Prescott's been up to, mm. um, and I don't know if you I don't know if you if you know this, but which marketing the Humber to be one of the top estuaries in the in the world. Aren't of course, we? yeah. Um, and can you share a bit more on that? Do you know a bit more than that than me? Or you know? Yeah, I mean the Humber on 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 the energy front, obviously the government's released its its targets recently for the whole country to be um net zero for carbon emissions by 2050 and i think in the humber it, they acknowledge the government that we're going to play a core a core part in that uh, having grown up in hull that that's an industry that just wasn't there when i was growing up i mean if you wind the clock backs uh, clocks back 15 years the the renewables green energy side um wasn't there correct me if i'm wrong uh, I think the likes of Siemens come in, Siemens Gamesa come in, that sort of kick-started that, that revolution. Uh, and it's it's been brilliant to see that, to see whole sort of forge its own path, really. Uh, and it, and it's something now that we can be at the forefront of and, and other people are talking about us. No, exactly. And I, and I think, you know, the businesses we support, we support the likes of the Humber Bridge and we've got some really nice, good customers and some some manufacturers, um, a great company working with cable scan and and, and I'm seeing manufacturing just an absolute hotbed in this region now um, with the work I'm doing. It, it, manufacturing was big in my, in, my, in my former life, but I think, like, like you mentioned, well, 
traditionally pull, you know, the career you're ending and, and moving out of, you know. Yeah, was, it was a was a fishing port, weren't we? And there's there's nothing of that left now. There's probably three, four vessels going out of Hull now, um, owned by Mar, I believe. Um, and obviously the company that I work for, one of the divisions that I work in at Smales is going to no longer be there. Um, Smales will be there because they've got two more divisions working. But yes, yeah, sadly, it's um, sadly it's diminishing. But the port of the Hull is growing from strength to strength. Yeah, I think it's like new industries, isn't it? You know, and... I was talking to someone, you know, recently. Um, I'm just getting a new electric car at the moment, um, completely electric. So I'm I'm trying to do a bit on the old carbon front. And people were talking, you know, oh, it's going to be the end of you know traditional cars, was no it, and people out of jobs. And I was I love to study history and you know around technology and you know any technology coming in. I was I was researching when lights was originally street lights first came in, gas lights came in. Um, everyone was scared that it was going to affect our sleep patterns and was all going to go crazy. And, and you've always seen this. But again, you know, you just think originally um, when we had horses and the, you know, and I think it was, a, was it the Model 1, the first Ford, when that got released? Um, overnight, um, the, the blacksmith industry, gone. Um, but then they reinvent themselves. That's where car mechanics come from, you know. And I think we're starting to see that in our local region. And what, what I found really positive in our region is we are involved in the latest technology in terms of manufacturing, aren't we? You know, with the renewables. And I don't know if, if, if you're aware of this, Paul, but and I might be wrong here, but I'm sure I'd seen the vision around the C4DI. Um, and one of the reasons I, I moved our business into the deep was to be around the C4DI and, and the hub. And the idea was, behind it, was to create like a, a an app incubator of, of, te- of technology startups um, and for us to be like an epicentre of technology in our region um, to replace the fishing industry. Um, and I, I think I'm starting to see that now. I mean, what, what are you seeing out there, Phil? Yeah, I'm definitely seeing that. And I think just this morning I was uh, covering an iSuccess story of sourcing C4DI. Yep. Started with a three-man team only a couple of years ago. Now there's, there's 30 of them. They're expected to be one of the anchor tenants in the new expanded at the dock. Uh, and that's just testament, really, to where how quickly Hull and, and the tech scene has grown. I mean, going back again, growing up in Hull, that the fruit market Humber Street section as a teenager just wasn't an area that you'd go to. Um, you'd go to Princess Quay, White Frigate, Old Town, and then it would stop there. So to see what it's what it's become now with the with sort of C4DI Tech Canvas actual Humber Street itself is the new quite... Arco building's going to be going up soon as well. Yeah, Arco is another, yeah, another Arco, big sorry. name joining. Was that twenty million? Something like that. Yeah, a, a ball, yeah, ballpark around mm, that figure, crazy. I think. So, yeah. so, so I think, I think the, I think the sounds are good for the for the region. Um, but I, th- I think it's just like a big a big change, you know. And, and interesting. Um, so my original business before we merged in with ThinkCloud, I was consulting. Um, this might be about four or five years ago. And one of my first customers, um, was Strawberry and Jonathan Leith. Yeah. Um, when there was over, um, over Eastall. And I mean, they're like a massive success story because they went on, I think there was 10, 15 of them and I don't even know what the numbers are on them. And and they're one of the anchor tenants in in, in the sea yeah. over there, aren't they? Um, but there's just a whole range and raft of different companies out there, isn't there? I think, I think going back to the Humber Street and around this area, around the deep, it's flourishing, isn't it? Yeah. it it's just opened a new lease of life for everything. And it's great because I spend a lot of time here now, don't I? 
So, um, I got another one for you, for you Phil. Um, we've missed we've missed a couple off. Didn't you? you went straight to eight. You missed two off. Um, so, what is a habit um, or habits that you practice? And if you don't have any habits, a random thing you love to do. Um, cause we, we like to talk about habits, don't we? You know, because just to, just to lean like, what habits do you have, Paul? You know, what what, what are your things? Um, my habits. I, I I try and be consistent. I'm not as good at being consistent as I try to, but I try and get to the gym now. Three or four times a week minimum. Um, I walk my dog and I try and keep positive mind. And I, I think by doing that, healthy body, healthy mind, I'm always um, banging the drum on that because over the last 16 months, it's really helped me. And we both always visit Andy's Wanko every Monday. We're consistent. Every Monday. Consistent on that. Good. Yeah. Um, along the same line with that, a big, big thing for me is keeping your keeping your friends, keeping your contacts, relationships. And then I hate to call it a habit to keep up with people. But when I've met friends, great friends at uni who live in London, um, Sheffield, Middlesbrough, all over the country. Um, and it is hard keeping up with, with, with them sometimes, but it's, it's an important thing to do. So you wouldn't call it a traditional habit, but keeping friendships is, is an important one. Um, I, I disagree with that because I, I think it's some actually I write down in terms of every week on my little notepad. Um, I've got key relationships I need to work on because I think I like the, I like the phrase we can all get man led can't we with our work with our business yeah. and we forget to connect with people. Um, I've just met up today actually on my dinner with a good friend of mine Andy because um, life just sort of takes over. So what we've started to do is just meet up every Monday for lunch and just get it in the diary because I think quite quickly before that me and Andy hadn't seen each other for nearly nine ten months and, and we're good mates because. Life just sort of takes over, doesn't it? And I think we yeah. forget, you know, we're, we're fortunate, me and you, aren't we? Because we get to do podcasts, hang about. Yeah. Um, but I think life does start taking over, doesn't it? And all of a sudden, uh, and that's a key thing we, we, we always talk about. Um, have you ever heard the saying, do you want to teach Phil radiators and drains? Yeah. Um, a lot of the times you, you can have people, we like to surround ourselves with radiators, don't we? People who radiate and people give us warmth and try and not spend so much time with people who drain you mm. um, because they'll just sap the life out of you. And, and, and we can be drained ourselves. And we can be drained ourselves, but um, you, you learnt me before, you, can, you end up being um, the, the average of five people you spend most time with. And I try and spend as much time with positive people as I can because it's good for my well-being. So I think, yeah. So I think it's a it's a great habit, to Phil. Um, so no, no, knowing what you know now, you've done that one, haven't you? Haven't you? This is where you skipped. You missed two two big ones straight away. Yeah, number nine, number nine, aren't you? So again, um, we all feel burnt out at times, unfocused, unenergized, overwhelmed. Um, what do you do? So a, a bit like linking maybe to the the writer's block or just in general, you know. Um, and if helpful, what questions do you ask yourself to just get get yourself back focused? Yeah. Um I always think obviously it's it's a stressful high pressure job is is journalism it's very quick fire the workload's quite high. What I always think at the, at the end of a day if I get back in and just feel a bit drained is uh, do I enjoy what I do? And it's it's, it's a massive yes. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it. I wouldn't have gone into it. Uh and even though yeah like I said it's a very high high pressure stressful job. Um, and you only feel at times like you may be doing three people's work, but do do I enjoy what I do? And and when I think, yeah, I do, it's what I've wanted to do since I was sort of twelve, thirteen. 
um it it, it makes you smile and, and I'm, I'm very proud of what i do and and i just hope that i'm doing a good job I'm, I'm quite interested really just answer me this what's a typical day for a journalist <laughs> um it depends on depends on the role so when i first came to hull as a, as a general news reporter uh, my colleagues work shift so it's an early shift from 6 30 in the morning till three o'clock there's a there's a late shift that runs till half 10 now uh, i still do weekend work with with the paper as do my colleagues so journalism has never been a nine to five um it's, it's never going to be something can happen at six in the morning or it can happen at 10 at night one of the things i think that that journalists and people in media like is that no they're in a standard day you've mm. no idea what you're walking into i can walk in and uh, a, a big breaking news story can come in just after you've made a cup of tea and tea goes down and you, and you get on with it um but a standard day yeah f- for me obviously business is slightly more nine to sort of five half five but um no two days are the same wait look at today he was just coming for a catch-up yeah and we've stuck a pair of earphones and a mic in front of him and said we'll have a catch-up on air Always expect the unexpected. Yeah, well, I know. So that, that, that gives you an insight, doesn't it? But I suppose that gives you a massive variety. And also, what I find intriguing, um, you must have your, your finger on the pulse in just everything that's happening in the city, you know, like yeah. a, just a fountain of knowledge. Yeah, um, technology is a big enabler of that as well, social media. Um, you know, we we spot an awful lot of things through Twitter, Facebook, and people getting in touch with us if something's happened in um an awful lot of sort of business related goings on that i spot are through companies who shout out about what they do on on social media and i'll pick up on it and get and get in touch so the technology's made it so much easier i think to to keep up what's going on uh, interesting um because we're, we're looping back on technology cause we love talking tech don't we um what's your opinion do you, do you think um technology is moving too fast um because it's a conversation that I hear, you know, in all different places. We we get asked a lot of times to transform and digitally transformation. We're getting, you know, is 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 the game I'm in. And mm. um, but we have a, a framework where we 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 focus on people, process, then technology, um, and really try and embed that change. But I think what I'm just looking on here, right? You know, where where do you sit on this list, Paul? Let's have a look. Because I think what my class does. Um, I'm going to go into the, you know, the, the baby boomers generate your generation. You're a baby boomer, aren't you? No, I'm generation, generation X. X. So you're generation X. I'm Y stroke X. I'm in the middle. Um, you're, what you 1994. Use, you're so you're well, technically, well, generation Z stroke millennium, <laughs> right? So, so we hear this and I, I get really frustrated with this. And being in my previous career, we, you know, I used to I, employ different people different ages in my business now we've got you know a couple of lads you know 18 19 um through up to 50 so got complete different demographs mm-hmm. and and you hear these stories like, like generation x millenniums and for me i find it really exciting because um you must be digital first yeah. surely digital first yeah. um whereas i i remember growing up analogs i've got sisters and that older than me but i understand tech you know so i remember going to blockbusters um and waiting for things i remember having a phone connected to a wire in the hallway and if i used it my dad even if someone rang me my dad used to thought that think it was charging us um so i'm, I'm intrigued because i was having this conversation um with my daughter and she's eight 
They just expect Wi-Fi and internet to be everywhere. They expect TVs to be flat. They expect to be able to touch things. So, and, and I always get into these conversations, you don't Paul, about is tech moving too fast? I personally don't think technology is moving too fast. I think our education and our understanding is moving too slow. Um, and I think sometimes that's because we're, we're looking for external organisations to do that, like schooling, but they just can't keep up with the pace. So what's your, what's your thoughts on that? I think um, I think young people now are, are growing up in a different world to do even the one that I grew up in. Um, you look at you look at teenagers even younger now walking around with smartphones with AI apps and that sort of thing, Pokemon Go, and they don't even they don't even think about the technology behind it and the fact that when I was growing up, you can you could never have imagined even when I was a kid being able to walk around with a phone and and artificial things jump up in front of the actual street that you're in. Uh, is it moving too fast? I, I wouldn't say so. No, I wouldn't say so. I think um, I, th- I think technology is a massive enabler in in everything. Whether you look at health, whether you look at education, whether you look at lifestyle. So I don't think it's moving too fast, but it, it does open your eyes when you see what kids can do. And I, I work. We work at a digital first company, obviously with Whole Live. Everything is very digital tech driven, but yeah, there's the 16, 17-year-olds who, who know a lot of things that I never will. <laughs> yeah, and what's your thoughts, Paul? Because what I find interesting with yourself, you know, I, I think you knew for a long time it was coming with smells, didn't you? And, you, and you've been working on, on personal development massively. Yeah. And I always remember years ago you were saying, I'm not good on tech. So, well, we can sort that out. You know, he, he comes in here and he practices on tech. Um, I was having a conversation with you and he was going, I'm not very good at tech. But let, let's just put this into context, Phil, right? This is Paul saying he's no good with tech. So he runs Andy's Man Club Hull. Um, we're digital first as a company and um, Andy's Man Club's digital. Um, you connect and we manage everything through uh, an online document or live, which he communicates and collaborates with me in real time. Um, we do screen sharing, we do all sorts, right? But the big one, what he runs, is not on the size of Hull Live, but he runs our social media yeah. um, in Hull. And we've gone from... I think a thousand people to six thousand people, and on average, we can get over two hundred and fifty thousand views of our videos and things. Every week, he puts a video on, posts it. Um, it's a colossal task what you do, and you know that's all off your own back. So, do you think technology is moving too fast? I do, uh, I always say I don't know enough about technology to comment. For for me, um. I know what I'm shown and I do get it. And we've had this conversation before where we we all believe that technology is, is really, really good and s- social media is good as, if you use it as a tool. But you do that talk, does technology kill? Because people are educated and I don't think they're educated enough and... I just, I just think sometimes people can get too involved, especially with social media, and it'll t- it can take over your life if you don't use it as a tool. And people are educated about that, especially young children who put something on social media and they want 300 likes, and if they don't, they go- get down in themselves. And I believe people need educating more. What What's your opinion? Because the, the, the trial at the minute taking away view counts on social media what's what's the thoughts on that um 
What, what's the trial? So, Sorry, looking so, at the so, actual... so, so basically, um, there's a big trial coming out at the minute. I think Instagram are going, are pushing it out at the moment, where they're going to, um, you won't be able to get any analytics of how many people like or share your post. Um, it's something they're trying, and we and we talk about this because to give you an example on that, Phil. Um, obviously, we, we're always doing different events for the man club, and it's we're very fortunate now. Um, we're a charity. We've got twenty-two clubs now across the country, um, and we've now got ourselves set up so we're self-funded for the next five years, which is amazing. So great work for everyone. What you know, what we've been doing, but we we our biggest thing is obviously we need to raise money because we are a charity. But more importantly, well, especially we can say this in Hull, we're really lucky that we've got facilities that we don't need to pay for and we've got a fantastic team that run it. So we don't need money. It's all about just getting that one guy through the door who's got that problem. Um, so it's all about awareness. But I see this at the Man Club. I see it with you at times. We, we have um, heated debates at this at times. Yeah, we do. Um, because I am interested if 100 people like it, 1,000 people like it, I just want one guy to see it and use it. Um but like anything, and we've all been guilty of this, you know, um, and this is where I, I think um, technology, we do need to educate lower, you know, from school, grassroots level, as I'd call it. Um, we're not taught at school about, um, you know, notification. Like, it's like me on my phone, Phil. To get older, me, um, if you send me a text, no, nothing makes a noise apart from if you actually physically ring me. I don't have notifications on anything. So, because again, I can imagine how, you know, I'm bad to get hold of. Can you imagine how, how hard this man is to get hold of, you know? <laughs> um, and it, what are we doing to, to combat that? Because, you know, in a previous job I was in, I'd get copied into emails and all sorts. I could get over a thousand emails sometimes in a week. And when you look at that, do you sit there and read them emails or do you actually go out there and do your job? Mm-hmm. And, and I think it always comes down to, like, I always talk, I'm fortunate because it's what I do for a living now. I ask companies, what's the purpose of a people, piece of technology? What are we going to use it for? And we, we, we've stumbled across that with Andy's Man Club because originally we used to have um, Facebook chat, didn't we? Do you want to explain yeah. on that? What? Yeah, what, what we do with Facebook, um, especially with our Messenger pages, um, we have it for guys if they're feeling a bit down during the week because Andy's Man Club's just there for a Monday night. And what happens is during the week, if a guy's feeling down or wants a cup of coffee with somebody and somebody wants, that's what we use. But we used to have, that's like a private group, yeah. isn't it? But we used to have, um, and this was a strategy I helped you know, implement and put in place. Um, we used to have each Facebook group used to have its own messenger. So yeah. for example, Phil, say you thought, oh, I've seen Andy's Man Club Hull. Mm-hmm. I want to get involved. You go to the page and you message in. Um, but what started happening was, you know, Andy's Man Club, we've got, we're there for one reason only to open the doors at six thirty on a Monday. That's the only reason we're there. Yeah. And, and and what started happening was, you know, guys reaching out because want support, but we're not professionals. Mm. Um, I can't support anyone with mental health. It's not my job. I can listen to someone. I can flag samples and I can talk and share any troubles I'm learning. Um, but I'm not a professional. And we started getting inundated with messages, didn't we? You know, at times. So we took a decision, a decision across all clubs that we're going to remove the ability to send messages. Mm. Um, you can email into our head office. Um, and a lot of people thought that the numbers had dropped and everything had dropped, but the numbers um, went through the roof, didn't they? Yeah, um, head office, read read the actual messages and then they can forward to uh, lead facilitators in that club if they see fit. Because obviously there's two paid members um, at Andy's Man Club, that's it in it, head office. So 
they'll read all the messages and then they will filter them to all the different clubs. So us as volunteers are inundated and we can concentrate on getting that one guy through the door. Yeah, nothing else. And I think that that just shows, you know, we're a fledgling organisation. We've only been, I think, is it three years now? Three years. Um, having to adapt and navigate. And I think, um, you know, some of the businesses you work with and you'll see, um, they must have a massive, massive problem when you've got, you know, a thousand users, five thousand users um, in a business. How do they communicate and, and focus on a, on a strategy? Because, you know, you've just mentioned your organisation is digital first. Yeah. But trying to explain that to someone who's been, you know, in the print industry, um, it must just be a colossal shift. So, you know, what, any any comments on that? Um, it it has been a massive shift, and we've got we've got members of staff who have been with us for ten, twenty, thirty years, so they've seen the full the full change, if you like. Um, but on the other side, they have uh, sort of adapted and moved with it and they can uh, they now work exactly the same way as somebody who's straight out of uni who knows no different um but we are we are digital first it, it will continue to evolve and change and ultimately i don't think we know fully what's what's around the corner we can predict but i dare say if the news industry going back 20 years if you'd said to them you'd have you know you'd have online followings of half a million up to a million is that what, is that what whole day. life is now yeah it's around the ballpark yeah so we we engage with around half a million um people page views every which day which is amazing and and, yeah. and and that's just like a pillar of our community isn't it you know it's such an important job and um, what you guys do i mean also on that you know is there any like new innovations coming with 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 the paper you know and I, it's quite interesting we still call it a paper don't we do, i mean what how many, you know, is print still a big part of it? Yeah, yeah, print is, we're always, one of the common sort of things we get is, is oh, is print still important? It's, it's all about online. Print's still massively important. And obviously, from the business perspective, we've got the weekly supplement that's out. It's got a very loyal core readership, but... I'm but, one of them. Yeah, <laughs> thank you very much. My wife is. Yeah. But, the, but yeah, print is still massively important for what we do, both on, on an editorial side and the commercial revenue side. Um, and that's that's maybe a misconception when people look at look at what we do now. They think, oh, it's all just online. The paper's just sort of a, a byproduct, which couldn't be further from the truth. And we've got a really dedicated team who who do that every day. Which is which is great to know because I'm a massive, like I say, bookworm, and I don't think you can beat beat reading a paper. Um, I, I I always I don't read the business paper till Sunday though. Me, I take it away um, to, to my little my little caravan um, of love. Um, and I just love a good read, and I think this was, and I think I always remember um, in my previous life we used to work a lot for Waterstones and fit their stores out, you know, nationally. And I always remember the first Kindle coming out, um, and everyone was like, "It's going to be the death of books." Now, I'm an average, I carry a Kindle. I like a Kindle. It's got its purpose. Mm. Um, for example, I can take a thousand books from me on holiday if I really want. I can. It, it's good for when you're learning and researching. But again, I think I don't think you can beat a good. Mm-hmm. book or a good piece of paper you know I, I like the paper where i can find out what's trending what's going on i can just rip a piece of the paper out and put it in my, in my notebook so yeah. i i hope um the old daily mill stays i think it's been a p- pillar in our community um you know from from us being involved in sports well, in charity and po- in business this podcast started from a good book didn't it <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> so so it's good to know that um, it's going to remain and, and we're focused on it. Um, any other news you want to share while we, 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 before we wrap up on any, anything happening with um, the paper? Or, you know? um, anything to look out for? 
Uh, on the business front, we've got some really big sort of up-and-coming events or things to look out for later in the year. Um, to name a couple, we're expecting RBs at Research and Development Centre to be opened in the next couple of months, um, eagerly awaiting a look around there um, to see what's going on. And just j- just tell us a bit more about that, because actually, because that's a, a massive investment that's getting put in there again, isn't it? Yeah, it's... it's from what I understand, the single biggest investment in, in RB's history, which obviously Reckitt started right here in Hull, so quite a, quite a nice line, really, that that investment would be made right here in the city. And, yeah, an enormous new R&D centre. Um, I'm sure the guys at RB could tell you a lot more than I could. But in but terms of how many, do you know any jobs that's getting created? Or, you know, is any... Yeah, there will be job creation. Um, the numbers aren't in the top of my head, unfortunately. <laughs> They've just bought some more land as well, aren't they? Yeah. Also, there'll be yeah. more investment there. Yeah, you, good. Fantastic. you would believe. Yeah, you, mm-hmm. that's what you believe, yeah. yeah hopefully. Um, any, any other little snippets we can, we can tease out here? Because <laughs> um, one, one, one I've just been reading upon actually this weekend, which uh, it launched a while back, but the ABP are expended out of the ports. Yes. Um, and then there's a uh, hundred million being invested. Um, they've down river isn't they, in the in history. Um, I was reading up on that. I don't, I don't know if anyone's seen any of that. Have you not seen that? I seen that Must yet. just be me then. Um, but I have read it. Read it because um, apparently because his talk isn't it at the moment. It keeps coming up with where we are. Um, they want to make this the the business centre a ferry port, which hopefully yeah. is not going to happen. Or if it does happen, um, we might get some nice new offices. Um, but for me, it makes perfect sense for the old ice arena to be the ferry port. That's where it mm. should be. But do you know? Do you any any news on on that in terms of the phone? No, I've got no no update other than all the the striking artist impressions that were released at one point of the of the cruise terminal. But it's not had any updates for for a while, so I'm afraid. I don't even know, Paul. It's meant to be actually where we are right now, hmm. and we're meant to be on top of it apparently. Yeah. But, but again, even that is you know regardless where it goes, it's tremendous for the city because if we can get more people here. More foot road. Um, I think it's only positive for the city, isn't it? It'll only, it'll only encourage growth, won't it? I'm going to do question 10 now. Because <laughs> I've been waiting gone. for it for <laughs> ages. Right, question 10, Phil. Who in the world would you like to interview past of, or present and why? Hmm. It's a really good question. Just, just for a journalist, isn't it? I know, on the, pot, on the spot there. Yeah, there's an awful lot of people who... From the music side, some of my sort of idols growing up, I mentioned Stevie Wonder would, would be a really good one. I think a really interesting person, and it, it actually comes back to what a little bit what we were talking about, um, would be Mark Zuckerberg. He's he's created a he's created a platform there that has completely transformed the way that people communicate. Um, we have mobile phones these days, but we don't use what the mobile phone was originally created for. <laughs> in terms of phone calls and texting it, it's it's facebook messenger for me and my generation anyway and i'd like to get his thoughts on on how he how he feels about that really is whether he knew when he set up facebook that he would create a, a platform that would just completely change the way that we that we communicate and do everything and, and it's interesting as well um i don't know if you've watched this um and if if not you need to watch this. We need to have a conversation on air about this. But have you watched anything about the great hack on Netflix um, about Cambridge Analytica? No, but I'm aware, I'm aware, I'm aware of, it. of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, you never know what to read, what to believe. But again, the you know they're saying that data is more powerful and is is, is more of a commodity than gold now. 
Um, and you'll be seeing that anyway from the, the analytics you'll probably get back yeah. from um, all live. Um, and have you, have you heard about this at all? No. Nope. So, so basically, um, the story goes, and I've been doing the, um, the bread country. I didn't think I'd actually get onto this today, um, but I'm going to. Um, so Cambridge Analytica was a, a company founded, um, and there was specialist at social media campaigns, but basically um, trying to work out. So in business, we're always trying to find the demographic of, a, of our audience, aren't we? And then we're trying to market to that demographic. That's, that's the game, right? But what Facebook was able to do was to create algorithms so you could work out what people's opinions was and what there was. And, and long and short of it, what started to happen was, and you'll have seen this on Facebook itself, you could go on and do personality surveys and tests and it was all free. But basically that in 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 our data rights, and this is why it's all changing, um, Cambridge Analytica was just sucking that data out and profiling people. So they could understand that, for example, if they did a bit of a study on me and you, we'd, they'd know that we're Hull FC fans and they'd know what sort of way we swing political voting. And they was able to go through and analyse people. But Cambridge Analytica, in some ways, I think they got absolutely hammered in some ways because they came up with this idea of profiling people. And at the time, it'd never been done before. Um, so was it right? Was it not right? I don't know. Um, and to the letter of the law, what they was doing, there was no laws. There was, you know, there was trailblazing. But what I found really interesting is Barack Obama actually used their services first. Mm-hmm. And, and so he used them. And then Trump obviously used them. And then this talk about it with this Brexit. And I think it's one of them we never will really know. But there's no way on this earth when Mark Zuckerberg created Facebook, he would have been aware that his tool could have had such a profound effect um, to, sh- to sway voters like that. And what, what's your thoughts on that? If you, because you've been a, a journalist, mm. but you know, we, we talk about propaganda and I think. What's amazing in the UK? We're very proud about having freedom of speech, aren't we? Yes. Um, yeah. And I think you journalists, you know, you you're the talismans for that, aren't you? Yeah. Um, so, what's your thoughts on that? Um, on the data front, um, obviously, you mentioned the data that that we have available to us through whether it's through Facebook, Google Analytics. We can now have a very good understanding of of who's reading, when they're reading, where they're reading from. Um, but at the same time, there are there are strict laws in place. We've got PDPR rules now that have come in, links to what you were talking about then with Cambridge Analytica with personal details, private details. We can't keep them in the building. We can't keep them stored anywhere. So I think data is a frightening, <laughs> a frightening thing, like you said. Um, and I think if it's in the right hands and it's used properly uh, and, and you stick to the laws that are there, then... It's an amazing asset for us to know as a paper where the readers are and things like that. But you've, yeah, you've got to be careful with it. And if, and if it falls into the wrong hands and it's used incorrectly, then it probably is about the most dangerous thing out there now. Yeah. And we, we talk about this, Paul, don't we, in terms of the way we use Facebook ourselves, you know, and you can tailor, most people don't even know, you can tailor if you, your Facebook news feed so you only get content that's relevant. Um, but just to give you a, a fast track on what was going on, because you sat there like, what's what we're talking about? So so basically, you know, you go on Facebook and you see um, a video and it, it could be about LFC or, or content that's relevant to you, right? So people who like our um, Andy's Man Club, they'll see every every video you, you do, and you do a lot of videos, yeah. they'll come up all in their feeds because they've liked and they've shared your content. And the more interactions they have with your content, the more um, it's deemed as relevant and it will show up on their feeds. Um, but what the reason Facebook makes so much money is 
if you've got a lot of money, you're able to target ads specifically towards people. So to, for example, when we first started Andy's Man Club Hull, when there's only six of us, my business has sponsored and helped support Andy's Man Club for, for a while. We would um, do some fundraising and we would sponsor some ads on there just to get more awareness. Yeah. And that's what we did to get up to the first you know, 500 followers. And then from then we got organic search and off we go. Um, but you imagine, right? So the work, you know, how many videos do you post at the minute from Andy's Man Club just to get one, two, three, four, five followers? If you're big enough and they were spending two billion, two million, sorry, I don't, um, per day on Facebook ads in, but this is in in states of America. This so total spend, no idea. But they was able to then own that person's news feed, and then what they was doing, they was building allegedly stories and propaganda that was only one-sided so you'd only hear news about one side of the argument um which if that is true is just the, the mind boggles doesn't it mm. i mean what's your thoughts on that we <laughs> it's a big one isn't it massive um well from a personal point of view um i think you told me about this a, f- a few months ago you you start searching for something on Google or you do something. The next the next minute you'll go on Facebook or something else. It's there. What you've been searching for is relevant in it. So it's it's mind blowing how they can track what you've been searching on. Then they aim for you, don't they? Yeah. And, and and I think this is this is this is the new um, digital world we're in. And I think. Back to the you know the original question: Is it moving too fast? It is moving fast, but I think it, it means that I think there's a lot of new laws that need to be passed, which we're working on, and it, and it it comes back to wrap this up. It all comes back to the people, the process, and the technology in it. So it's been an amazing podcast, Phil. Um, Thanks. It's been brilliant. Been really, really enjoyed it. Thank you, Phil. So that's Paul checking out. That's Leon checking out. And that's me checking out. Thank you. Thanks, Phil. Thank you.